Hello and welcome to Layman's Guide to the Multiverse, where we dive between the panels and break through the fourth wall. I am your host, Paulo, tonight, and with me, as always, is Matt. Welcome to the jam. Ed. Come on and slam. And Mike. And the third part of that song. Hello. I keep trying to do the same. I keep trying to copy Matt with the introduction. I'm terrible at it. I'm just going to have to come up with my own way of doing it. I think you're doing a good job. Yeah, great. Yeah, I'm trying, guys. I'm trying. I'm trying. Yeah. We're jamming. I'm yeah, 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 we are. We are. Yeah, I think it's like a great homage. Don't think of it as like an imitation. You're doing great. I'm trying. I'm trying. Yeah. I really, I really am. Like Matt, Matt is a hard act to follow up when it comes to like that that radio voice that he's got. Why? Thank you. Yeah, he went to radio school. He did to get. A yeah, he also voice. started the movie radio. He did. He, he does. He does moonlight as Cuba Gooding Jr. I've heard that about him. I've, I've seen that. I've never. Hey, I've never seen Matt or, and Cuba Gooding Jr. in the same place. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I always get Cuba Gooding Jr. and uh, the guy from Iron Man that got fired. Oh, his name uh, suddenly escapes me right now. Uh, Robert Downey Jr. Not Karen Robert Downey Jr. Don uh, oh, Cheadle. Don Cheadle. No, not Don yeah, Cheadle. Don Cheadle was the second Terrence, second roadie. No, no. Terrence Howard. Was right. Terrence Howard. Terrence. Ah. Yeah. Terrence right. Howard. I always get Cuba Gooding Jr. and Terrence Howard confused. He, he was in that one movie where it was hot out here for a pimp. Oh, yeah. Hustle and Flow. There it is. Oh, oh yes. Hustle okay, and yeah. Flow. Hustle and Flow. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah. Was Cuba Gooding in Jerry Maguire? Yes. Or, yes. Right, he was, he was, was the money guy. Maguire. Yes. Yes. Yeah. He was the show me the money guy. Okay. The classic line. He had it. Yeah. He did. That was him. I have no idea how to segue into what the actual topic was supposed to be. I well, hope you know that. Well, I think I was trying to set you up. You see, you're, you're working on the introduction, but uh-huh. usually I start every episode with a really, really bad joke or really bad pun. And I was hoping I'm uh, so bad me- at jokes and puns because I'm yeah. not a dad. Well, that that it does help. Yeah, I get like plus ten to that. But yeah, they hand you a this, book. <laughs> this guy and his D and D references. I, 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 it's I, a great I, segue. I, I I yeah, exactly. So that's why I brought in the space jam reference but like i said mm. but yeah being a dad i get advantage in all advantage in all bad joke roles look at this guy just making a bunch of D references yeah i think I, it's a good segue the uh we're doing a D episode guys another yeah, one we're doing another, another one. Oh, we're, we're, oh. we're the DJ Khaled of, of D&D episodes. <laughs> I still I still say ah. we need to release like a, a let's play of us actually playing Dungeons and Dragons you so we can a, see uh, how bad we are at it. We mm. had a live play or whatever those are called. An sure. actual play? Yeah, we should do a play, like a live show. Let's book a theater and everyone can come see us play, sit, at, sit at a table on stage and Ooh. play d and don't. I don't think we'd actually get a big audience for that. I think I think we need to make a spectacle out of it. We could just like put ourselves in a cage and just put like a sign. It's like you know, like watch a bunch of wa- nerds in the wild. Mm. Oh, that's good. That's good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Big fan of spectacles. <laughs> uh, the Dude, things that you watch and the, and the things you you use to watch things. Yeah, I'm, I'm wearing some spectacles right now. It helps. Me and we and we will live stream it. We'll live stream it. It'll be a live show. Uh, we'll live podcast it. We'll do everything live. Yeah, yeah. We'll we'll hire the band live to play the soundtrack. (laughs) Is it that they've written specifically for this show? (laughs) Well, that's oh, we've made it. But isn't a live podcast just radio? You know, I hate you because you're right. (laughs) Right, (laughs) starring Matt. He was in that movie. Yeah. (laughs) 
<laughs> Way to segue back into the segue we weren't going to talk about. Yeah, yeah Tyler, we're talking about Spelljammers tonight. Let's go. Do you even know what Spelljammers is? Did, uh, do, did any of you play Spelljammers when it originally came out for Advanced Dungeons and Dragons? No. I don't. I've that was advanced. in the 70s, wasn't it? <laughs> that was not. Oh, my God. Uh, 80s. <laughs> 60s. How far it's back the we early, go? The early ni- no, it's the early 90s. 1922, early 90s. the Dust Bowl. Uh, early yeah, 90s, yeah, which I'm realizing, which I'm realizing is showing my age because you guys, I think, were like still not even in your teens in the early 90s, mid 90s. I was, yeah, I, I was in single digits. Yeah. Oh God, I was, I was already the teenager in the early 90s, I believe. Like you said, you you were the teenager. Like you were the only one. Yeah. He was oh, just well, you, of, a teenager. Of, the, of the group I am showing By my the age time here. you were introduced to spell jammers, I was already a man. That's <laughs> it. You guys, okay. So just to preface, preface. So the reason that we're talking about spell jammer is because Wizards of the Coast have recently announced that they will be releasing a spell jammers for fifth edition, uh, which basically bring introduces um a very beloved and kind of a uh, a shit show of a of of a of a campaign setting oh uh and the reason it's a shit show is because uh i pl- i never played an actual spell jammer campaign okay. because that shit was hard okay. um imagine you are now taking now for those of you who are uninitiated dungeons and dragons basically a tabletop role playing game where yeah. you are playing a um Basically, like your little minifigs on a two-dimensional space. A lot of the rules were created to kind of work on a two-dimensional space because you're moving on, on Earth, essentially. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Now so- imagine you are taking that and somehow having to translate it to a three-dimensional space. Oh, you sunk my battleship. Darn. You, there is there. Okay, the rules for flying a spelljammer ship were some of the most complicated <laughs> things on the face of the planet to figure out what direction you were moving in, whether you're moving up, down, sideways, diagonally, and don't even get me started on how they figured out how a ship had like a like an oxygen field and what the 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 mechanics of of the actual like traveling through space is yeah but paulo can you can can you explain to me how you travel through space and what the oxygen field is yeah and uh whether we're moving up down left or right (laughs) yeah can can you do that i can i can i can because i i i remember i read all the books we're getting started this is is teenage this is teenage paulo reading all the books as they came out uh because advanced dungeons and dragons had a a a myriad of add-ons and books to read in a teenage mall dual wielding Apollo? uh yeah i dude i used to hang out at the borders bookstore okay oh, yeah and just sit there and read oh, cool. the books in the back that is that is the kind of person that i was um, yeah, that owns that owns but it, essentially so essentially Spelljammer introduces the idea of you can travel through the DD multiverse through space on a pirate ship that sounds fucking cool is it like a flying pirate ship it is a flying pirate ship essentially okay the the greatest comparison that i can make have you guys ever seen the movie treasure island the disney movie it's been a long time but i do the 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 animated treasure island where they're basically like going through space on like flying pirate ships oh oh oh, i thought you're talking about like the the og like no no not the og but the the treasure island where it was like animated with the what's the called treasure Um, planet 
Treasure oh, yeah, Planet. Treasure Planet. That's it. Yes, yep. thank yep, you. Yep, there it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. Yes. It's so actually, the, okay, so it's actually a sci-fi adaptation of Treasure Island. Yeah. Right, yes, right, right. thank you. Yes, an animated sci-fi adaptation of Treasure Island. Um, that is the best comparison that I can make to like a Spelljammer campaign. That Holy makes shit. a lot of sense. I, yeah. Actually, I love that because Treasure Island is so, well, it's kind of grounded. And then Treasure Planet isn't at all. It's great. <laughs> I'm I'm honestly imagining us in a campaign like that. You're expecting it to be Treasure Planet, but it's probably going to wind up being more like Time Bandits. Mm. <laughs> oh, I thought I thought you were going to say that it's going to end up being like Demolition Man because like Rob Schneider uh. shows up and he's like, yeah, I bet these guys don't even know how to use three seashells. <laughs> yeah. I, that's I essentially, that, yeah, that's essentially what the, our campaigns turn into. I mean, that's Wait, fair. Which also, one? Kind of maybe maybe Event Horizon ish too. We 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 tend, we tend to fuck things up. Uh, <laughs> okay. Yes. Yes. If we're talking any of our campaigns, the way we play, they tend to start off Treasure Planet ish and then turn into Event Horizon. <laughs> <laughs> You're not. But I, we, we've made I, mistakes. We've made mistakes. Yes. Are they, are they, they mistakes or happy accidents? Because. Ah. Uh, <laughs> Would they really be considered happy accidents? Like, I don't, I don't see Bob Ross painting our adventures here. I, I don't. Mean, he, he, he would, but he'd probably be arrested for obscenity. But <laughs> so, accurate. okay. Accurate. So, so Paul, just to help uh, help us focus a little bit. So for those on an issue with D&D, all you really need to know about it was that it is the great granddaddy of all those RPGs you like to play. All the Final Fantasies, all the Mass Effects, all those Skyrims even. Um, now... A traditional D&D game, you have your dungeon master, you know, he comes up with a story and you basically interact inside of it. it which is still the same. Everything exactly still the same. The only difference is now is it's in space. Yeah, the, the campaign setting's different. The campaign setting's a little bit different. Yeah, it's, oh, it's, okay. it's what's really nice is it's fantasy in space. So basically what you're saying is that like a probably the most famous module from D&D is Curse of Strahd. It's basically like another it's 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 a module like Curse of Strahd. I wouldn't even say that because one of the nice things that um, they introduced with Spelljammer was the ability to travel from campaign setting to campaign setting using a Spelljammer ship. Oh, so essentially, essentially you'd be able to. So for those of you who are aware, uh, campaign setting is basically one of the published works of Dungeons and Dragons, where essentially they give you like a, a whole campaign setting. It's essentially a planet that revolves around the sun. There are gods, there's pantheons. Uh, it has, it exists on a prime material plane and it, uh, they all have their own gods. They all have their own history, their own settings. Okay. Um, those of you who are initiated, the main campaign setting of Dungeons and Dragons is the forgotten realms campaign setting at the time. Uh, currently right now in fifth edition, in previous mm. editions, there was a campaign setting called Greyhawk. That was the main campaign setting. Cool. Um, there's another famous one called uh, Dragonlance, uh, which I hear we're also getting uh, a new book. Uh, we soon. are. We are getting which we should probably do. We could probably talk about that because that has a whole bunch of books, a whole bunch of comics also in that. But that's basically oh. a that's more high fantasy where like it's uh, a lot of dragons, a lot of battle between gods, a lot of it's a lot more. It feels the most uh, Lord of the Rings esque uh, as far as I'm aware. But it, I could be in a, in a way, in a way. Um. I would love to sit down and do a breakdown of what fantasy, high fantasy, low fantasy, and all the other different types of fantasies are, like those genres, because essentially uh, Dungeons and Dragons kind of, you could touch on all of them in one way or another. So for example, like uh, Matt mentioned Curse of Shroud, that's gothic horror. Yeah. Right. 
Um, so, you know, do you have the opportunity to play all of your characters in these different types of environments? Uh, and what essentially Spelljammer does, it kind of gives you an avenue to play Dungeons and Dragons in sci-fi fantasy. Where essentially, like, you actually get on a flying pirate ship that can land on different planets. Is it is it more steampunk-esque, or is it more like Guardians of the Galaxy? Like, uh, how, how sci-fi is it? I feel like, like it's, it's not really sci-fi too much at all, from what I've seen. It's literally, like... It's more like pirate shippy yeah, kind of. That's exactly uh, where I was going. But so for those of you who have played the most recent Baldur's Gate game, uh, Baldur's Gate three, the one that's been uh, released by Larian Studios. Hell yeah. Um, the illithid ship that you're on at the beginning of the game. No spoilers here because it's just the beginning of the game. Uh, yeah. It's in the literal cutscene. That illithid ship is actually a spelljammer ship. Is it? Because oh. that feels that feels super sci fi. Right. Okay, like but that, that's that because feels very like we're like you're in like the cockpit and stuff, and you, you know what I mean. Is, like it's it's that is because the Elithids travel through space in that kind of ship. Mm. Every single race that has a spacefaring um, empire, so to speak, they have their own types of ships. So like elves have their own types of ships. Humans have their own types of ships. Uh, dwarves actually have like giant mountains that they travel in. Yeah. That are basically that's right, yeah. their ships. That's um, fucking baller, right? I, you're, I, you're, I know you were explaining like high fantasy, but all I'm thinking of is like G Gundam, where they have like the flying Statue of Liberty for like the United States. You know, I'm laughing. I'm, I'm laughing because the dwarves actually, if I recall my my lore correctly, the dwarves actually have an asteroid that they travel in. That they basically like sit there and just mine it and and it it moves like they can they can make it travel to where it needs to go. And the asteroid is in the shape of their god Muradin's face. That is the most oh. dwarven thing I've ever heard. <laughs> oh shit. Just, just so need space dwarves. <laughs> yeah, space dwarves. Exactly. Yeah. If they need to lighten the load of the ship, do they just start mining faster and throwing rocks I, out of the ship? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I could I wish I could explain more of because uh, I don't we we don't know what the mechanics yet are going to be for fifth edition because I guarantee you they're going to change the mechanics. They were so complicated in second edition. The mechanics are absolutely ludicrous. Uh, essentially, the ships themselves are magical, obviously. Uh, in order to right. pilot the ship, you need to be a spellcaster. Um, yeah. and you need to attune yourself to something called a spell jamming helm, uh, <laughs> which is basically a helmet that allows you to pilot the ship. And then and you, do it, you do it telepathically, uh, tel telekinetically. I mean, uh, you use your mat. Basically, you use your connection with magic, like the fact that you can control magic to essentially magically control the ship. So is this kind um, of like a kind of sort of like a Cerebro kind of thing? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that would be a good comparison. Kind of like a Cerebro kind of thing to control a ship. I dig it. I mean, you yeah. saw the lifted ship in the in that Baldur's Gate thing. You basically control the ship using the different tentacles. Yeah, that's true. Right, but elithids are like octopus people. So, like, yeah, I don't, I, I didn't know if that's how, if all spelljammer ships had tentacle controls. You know, that's no, no, all know. ships, all ships do not have tentacle controls. Um, They're tiny baby Cthulhu people. Yeah, yeah I, I was thinking Davy Jones from the Pirates of the Caribbean movie. Exactly. Yeah, that's an elithid. <laughs> He's an elithid in that movie. No, no, no. Sure. He is not an elithid. Uh, I mean, it he, looks. He, he look does. and looks wise and looks wise. He he definitely an octopus person. <laughs> Uh, he's got a couple of extra tentacles, though. You know, eh. and doesn't and doesn't eat human brains. We don't know that. 
Yeah, I definitely don't know that. We do know that. Do we? We do. At really? no point in the movie does he eat a pie, does he eat a human brain. There is so know. much time though where he's not in a yeah. movie that he could be eating human brains. He could be eating so many brains off screen. Yeah, he he's got what like fifteen minutes of screen time, like total. I would okay. <laughs> so I would consider I that would dude could be eating brains right now. <laughs> I would consider Davy Jones more of an uh, an Abeloth. Uh, I just don't consider Davy comparison. Jones. Comparison. You know? I mean, you don't. Nobody wants to consider Davy Jones. <laughs> Listen, yeah. There's a lot of weird shit in Dungeons and Dragons that uh, can be translated to space stuff. Like the the beholder ships are are weird. Um, they're not just more beholders. Like, yeah, I, I feel like a beholder itself should just be able to just fly through space, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah right. For those of you who don't know what beholders are, they're basically just floating eyeballs with more eyeballs on top. They're of them. adorable. They got uh, oh no, they're the opposite of adorable. Yeah, I mean, like little like little baby uh, beholders. Like the little plushy guys, adorable. Okay, yeah, yeah. Those those can be adorable. I agree. Yeah. Well, they also have. They also like one of the nice parts. So essentially, and that was one of the things. So essentially, each world, each kind of campaign setting for Spelljammer, is locked into like its own kind of crystal sphere. Okay. And you actually have to travel through the crystal spheres in order to get to the different worlds. Each world is kind of separated in space through something called and. I'm pretty sure it's going away with this new edition, but in the old edition, they had something called the Phlogiston. Okay, that sounds like something I call in sick with. Please continue. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're going you're to you're have to elaborate. Uh, the Phlogiston is, there. is yeah. basically just like this wild magic that separates um, the space in between these crystal spheres where every um, every realm of Dungeons & Dragons exists. Right, so and, it's, it's a bleed to uh, DC's multiverse. Yeah, that's a good that's a really good uh good analogy. Cuz like the way I understand Spelljammers, uh it seems very much like the Spelljammer like setting was a way to get you from one campaign setting to another campaign setting. Yes. Um if if if, if you weren't going to have like your like uh, I was gonna say Helm's Deep, that's not the right thing. Uh, you, like, if you weren't gonna have like your Water Deep and like your your Ravenloft and like Forgotten Realms, they, like you weren't gonna have some of these places in like the same world and they're all just like different countries spell jammers was a way to get you from you know one campaign setting to another and you you use your magical flying spaceship or pirate ship rather to get there you Am can wrong? It, you it, can it, if anything it sounds like a an in-universe D way to incorporate something like a marvel versus capcom for D. yeah that's actually pretty accurate because ruby actually, hart is a pirate that that very much feels uh, like a a good way but they also included like their own lore to the to the campaign setting because they actually like they they added ways for you to create your own like crystal spheres where you can basically create planets like inside a crystal sphere that like you'd be able to land your ship on to have like adventures on and stuff. And you know the way that that fifth edition's built because a lot a lot of the things a lot of the uh, rulings and whatnot in like even in the player's handbook is like hey you want to do some cool stuff fucking go for it dude talk to your DM we don't care just like it, yeah. it's fine. Do do well, the I cool mean, thing, like you you know a lot of that's just going to be left up to you know the player yep. and the DM to figure out, yep. and that's awesome. I can't yeah. wait. I honestly cannot wait for some of the because like now they're getting weird. Like they're introducing an ooze race. Yeah, but is is it weird though? Because oh, yeah. I'm I'm a hundred percent positive that that's been a thing that's been homebrewed already. Yeah, I was about he, to say you got the slime. Uh, right, but now we're getting it. Now we're getting it like an actual like. There's rules for it now, which rules is rules cool. for it, which is which makes me feel like it, it, it's actually like. 
okay, now I don't have to feel like I'm homebrewing something. So I have to be careful that it's not broken or that it's balanced. You've kind of got a guideline there. Exactly. Like those races are going to be so cool. The ones that they're introducing, like they're introducing the, the, the ooze people. They're introducing a race of, of hippopotamus people. Oh, Oh. the, the, the gif. Is that the gif? Is it the gif or no? I thought, I thought the gif Yankee were already. Gif gif, ah, yeah, oh no, the two different people. There's the gif Yankee, who are the, so okay. The gif who are separated into the gif Yankee and the gif Zerai, but then there's also the gif G I F F. Oh, okay, that's an F sound. I keep hearing. Yes. I keep hearing T H. So it's like right, or, right, right, right. You, you just said those two things, and I'm like, you. That's the same thing. I don't know. <laughs> were those the bad guys from Mass Effect? Uh, no, that's the Geth. Ah, okay. That's the Geth, yes. Uh, So, like, and there's so much to describe in that because the Gith are basically the same race, but their doctrine um, split them into two different races where one is a monk warrior race and one is a race of, like, sorcerers who, like, ride dragons and shit. That's pretty baller. So the Gith, Zerah, yeah, go ahead. The, the Gith have Voldemort face, right? Like, that's what they got. Yes, they have no nose. Yeah, they have no nose. that sucks, dude. Yeah, they have no nose. The, then there's hippopotamus people. Then there's the Thrykreen, which oh, are the, um, the the bug people. The bug people. Yes, we got oh. bug people. Friend of mine's uh, playing a fantastic uh, bug person wizard in a game. I I'm <laughs> actually looking forward to playing an ooze person. They do that, look like fun. They they look like a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to that. Uh, <laughs> Fifth edition is going to be getting wild. I can't well, wait for Spelljammer to come out. Okay, so if if we're going to talk about fifth edition getting wild. Because you're saying that they're introducing like quote unquote weird things. Is it any weirder than Pathfinder essentially waving the white flag and going, here's how to play all the Pathfinder things in D&D 5th edition? Okay, that's a whole nother. That's, that's a yeah. whole nother episode. But I'm that's, just I just want to bring up the topic. If you don't I know mean, what Pathfinder is, essentially, um, the people that worked on D&D 3.5, I guess when they got word that like 4th edition was going to be very different. They kind of just like they pulled a uh, like an image comics or like like all, all the guys from image comics. They just left and were like, we're doing our own thing. So they made Pathfinder, which is essentially D&D 3.75. Is that, ac- is that accurate? 3.75 is the comparison. A lot of people might guess a lot. A lot of people criticize and call it Mathfinder. I mean, there is a lot of math involved in yeah. in Pathfinder, at least in the new version of Pathfinder. Pathfinder 2.0, from what I've heard, is ridiculous. I mean, some so like that. one of the things one of the things that Pathfinder did was really nicely was it kind of took the best things of D&D 3.5 and just kind of stripped a lot of the stuff that was like bloat. But when they released their book, that book was a Bible. That Pathfinder book, that player's handbook, which isn't really even the player's handbook. It's like the whole book, including the Dungeons Master Guide in there was Ooh, like double the size of the regular D&D player's handbook. Um, and Pathfinder was probably the thing that I played most with you guys when we were, uh, in college. We definitely took a three, we definitely took a 3.5 game that we like, cause we started 3.5 and we definitely converted that to Pathfinder. Yeah. Which was a very easy conversion because it was just like, we just got more options when we moved everything over. Yes. Yes. As I recall, um, I'm trying to remember because it was so long ago, but (laughs) I mean, I did. We definitely didn't want to go to fourth edition because fourth edition trash. Cannot begin um, to tell you how bad fourth edition was. Didn't fourth edition it. introduce uh, cantrips though? 
Yes. Well, that's what I'm saying. So like what fourth edition basically was, was like this kind of bridge between what we have now with fifth edition, taking the best up from fifth, from third edition, from 3.5 and fourth edition and kind of simplifying it to give us what's currently fifth edition. Oh, cause like, I'm, you know, because the first fifth, fifth edition game I played, you ran, um, I was starkly against it when we first started. I was like, oh, we're yeah. playing this. We're doing this thing. We should play the thing we know because the thing we know is a fucking fuck the new shit. And then we played it. And I'm like, holy shit. I love the stream. I love everything that's like, it's so streamlined. It's so good. Why are we playing anything else ever again? Everything is so complicated. <laughs> like fifth edition so easy. Yeah, I do love the fact that if you want to, the way I like to play the uh, D&D is I, I don't really care about um, stats or abilities or doing things i just like pretending with friends and 5e really cuts out a lot of that where like you can play it like me or you can play it where you can get really really deep into all like builds and all these stat things it works both ways and i love that for it i gotta say and it's funny for a game that was basically built around being essentially a a a chess game Mm. uh dungeons dragons was built around a tactical tabletop game with minifigures that's what the original game was built around. Now, like I literally will run a game without a single bit of like tactical stuff to do. Mm. But if I want to get really in depth with all the mechanics and stuff like that, I can. You totally could. I, you totally can. And that's what's so exciting about Spelljammer because like I feel like they're going to be doing a lot of a, a lot of that wacky stuff in it where they're like they'll tell you how to make this work. But they'll also be like, we'll probably leave it up to you to figure out how you want to do this. <laughs> like, I, 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 I want to know how they're going to figure out the mechanics of how a ship, a ship is going to fly in fifth edition. How they're going to do that. What Flying if, combat is a nightmare. Yeah, but what if they're just like, yeah, it just flies. Yeah, it's like reverse falling speed. Well, what's interesting. <laughs> so one of the fun things about Spelljammer is um, essentially you have your own oxygen field. Yeah, can you, can, can you explain that for me? Yeah, and can you also explain if we're going uh, left, up, right, or down? <laughs> so, so in Spelljammer, um, basically, when you fly into a planet, when you fly into a planetoid, if the planetoid has an oxygen field, the Spelljammer ship will pick it up, and will you'll you'll basically take it with you, because the center of gravity on a Spelljammer ship is basically the center of the ship. So, as long as you are on the ship. You you can't kind of fall off the ship. If you go past a certain distance, that's when you kind of float off the ship into fucking outer space. Wait a second. So are you saying that these ships have escape velocity? They do. Yeah, they have to. They have to actually get out of like they have to. I mean, they do and they don't. They do have to break out of gravity's reach. Like technically you could in all instances, if you have a fly spell that lasts long enough, you could fly into outer space. I don't know, man. I haven't taken a <laughs> physics class in over 10 years, man. I, I forgot all the <laughs> equations. <laughs> Gotta do math to cast this spell. <laughs> no, what but is like, this math finder? <laughs> no, but that's that's and that's one of those weird mechanics that like they included in the rule book. Like you could feasibly fall off a spell jammer ship and just float in space and survive until your oxygen field essentially ran out. You didn't have to wear a spacesuit. You just had an oxygen field around you. Right. All you had to do you like magic yourself some fucking. Exactly. Well, yeah. no, the, the oxygen field kind of came with you as part of you being part of the, the ship. 
So like as you came out, like it would be with you until like it got thinner and thinner and thinner. If you managed to get to like an asteroid field or another field that had an oxygen field, I'll get it's kind of you. You'd be able to survive in spa, in in space. So oh if, shit! So if I play Batman, he can actually breathe in space. Yes. Or 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 does Batman just have infinite oxygen shield? I mean, you like, can fly. You could play Batman. Superman and just fly through space. Also, this is sounding like uh, Super Mario Galaxy. It kind of it kind of feels that way. There's a lot of listen, and there's a lot of weird stuff in Spelljar because remember now you have into play the fact that every world in Dungeons and Dragons technically has a solar system, right? So like the moons, there are moon elves, there are humans that live on the moon, on the moons of like uh, of like the Forgotten Realms campaign setting. There are people that live on the moon. How do you get there? Is there like is there like a ladder? On a spelljammer, fly spell, yeah, fly spells. You take take like an elevator. There's definitely magic and spells that do that, but like, you know, there's also like I said, certain certain cities have ports where like you know you can land the spelljammer ship and resupply. Um, so like that's gonna introduce a whole new level of complication, like in your cities and whatnot. I I don't know. Like I'm really kind of excited to see what they do with this edition of spelljammer because things are definitely gonna be different. With, than they were in second edition in, in advanced Dungeons and Dragons. Things are going to be very, very different. I know one of the things that they did do is like they had back in those editions, certain worlds you couldn't get to because they were locked out of being able to be accessed through Spelljammer ships. That is interesting. And I feel like actually, I, maybe it's just because I've always played with, with uh, you and, and everyone else here. I always feel like rules wise, things are a little bit more loose. I mean, we don't as a player, you don't see everything that the DM has planned, but it's, there are there's never been like, a, I want to go to space. And I guess there's never been that grandiose of a uh, of a want as a player for me is like, let's just go. Let's just fuck off to space where that <laughs> ever had to be like a rule that you had to, to tell us. No, but, we definitely ended up in space once. Um, yes, well, yes, you and, did. In, in in between uh, uh, worlds, technically. Technically yeah. in the bleed. We were talking about this earlier. Um, we definitely were there once. Yeah, we, we yeah, played there, there a was, campaign setting where we were traveling between between worlds. We dove between the panels yeah. and we uh, broke through the fourth wall. We did it. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I, it's true. Huh? I mean, if the, cam- if the campaign calls for it, I don't see why not. Yeah. I know. So spoilers for for. I don't know if this is a spoiler or not, because I want to tell you guys. So one of the things that they released um, <laughs> as like a one shot kind of deal for like a ho- special Halloween thing. They basically do like a, a curse of Strahd that you can run in one shot. OK, That's I have cool. heard this. But but it's basically curse of Strahd in space. Yo, oh, hell yeah. Yo, space oh. vampires. Dracula 2000, yo. Uh, essentially, essentially. Oh, hell yeah. OK. Not to spoil anything, I don't know how to put this, but essentially Not the to spoil castle. Not Strahd game, but we're going exactly. to space. The castle, oh, no! the castle. Hell yeah! You have to stop Strahd before he takes the castle to space. <laughs> <laughs> that makes that sense, is yeah. that is the one shot, the the basis of the one shot. That's oh, like you, you get a whole bunch of characters that are like high enough level to fight Strahd. And essentially, like you just you just get thrown into the castle, and you have to stop Strahd before he takes the castle to space. Amazing! Can, 
Can you also run it as like a lower level campaign and it becomes a heist where you have to steal his like space? Yo. Them? I, you Yo. absolutely could do that. You absolutely could do stupid stuff Yo. like that. Yo, I want to <laughs> steal Strahd's castle space Ravenloft ship. We need an Ocean's Eleven, but space Strahd. <laughs> oh, I need, we need to get our S's to Mars and Strahd's going to help <laughs> us do it. <laughs> No, I'm telling you, D&D can get so freaking weird once you start introducing space stuff into it. It's so, so weird. Not just that, but like when you when you also um, combine it with like the play, the, the other planner activity. So like the fact that Illithids and Beholders and Aberrations, they're essentially Cthulhu deep space monsters. Mm. So now you're dealing with like space gods that could be traveling through space just floating through the astral sea that's cool as fuck um like you could run into gods that basically dead gods that just float through space and have to like land on the dead god and, and, and harvest something and deal with that there's okay in the forgotten realms there's literally a planet that's actually they don't know what it is but in older lore it's if the planet actually wakes up it essentially becomes a negative plane planet that's living and wants to destroy all life in the galaxy. Oh. And what essentially what it does is as it approaches a planet, as it gets closer, it starts to basically do apocalyptic shit with like uh with undead and negative energy planes and zombies and like all the just the, and people just dying left and right from the from the gravitational forces and the negative energy plane forces of the planet so, so it's like a necromancer planet it's a, it's a, literally a undead necromancy planet I'm not gonna lie i'm not gonna lie i in one of my older campaigns that i ran not with you guys but with my uh one of my older groups shout out to my original group of D players the ones who got me into it uh, they Ooh. they had a spelljammer ship that basically was traveling them back and forth through through different planes as well. That's great. Um, that was a whole that was a whole big thing where I basically created a um, like a, a demi plane that a dragon created uh, in order to his whole big plan was to ascend to godhood by creating a demi plane, seeding it with dragon eggs, having that demi plane which time move faster in it essentially like create more dragons that worshiped him as a god and then opening it up so that then those dragons would come to the prime material plane and essentially their worship of him would ascend them to godhood i dig it interesting that was that was like my big kind of evil the big evil bad in the story and uh big that evil. That was that was probably one of the coolest campaigns I ever ran. That was the one of the the campaigns that I basically ran my characters from one to twenty. And the only That's reason exciting. that like I, I I ran that through is because our old dungeon master um just kind of sucked and he quit on us. Um, I just sucked. Kind of yo, he did. He used to get so mad when we would mess up his campaign. Oh, that that's okay. This is where the warp wood story comes from. Ah, oh, you tell it for the listeners. Uh, the Please. warp would so a lot of listeners will probably comment on that's not how warp wood works or anything of the sort, but quite <laughs> frankly, shut up. 
<laughs> Shut oh, up. Yes. Tyler coming in. Tyler coming in hot. <laughs> uh, so a buddy of mine was playing a druid back in second edition Dungeons and Dragons, and the Oops. second edition, the second edition warp wood um was a lot more flavor spell than anything else. And what he essentially did was we were on a sinking ship. The ship was supposed to go down because we were fighting a Kraken. We managed to fight off the Kraken. The ship was sinking, but our druid wet lower decks and goes warp wood a couple of times and fix the ship <laughs> so that the ship did not sink. Our dungeon master got so upset that he actually ended game maybe 15, 20 minutes in and said that he needs to get, he needs time to prepare everything over again because we ruined his entire plan. <laughs> And that's D and D for you. And that's D and D for you. Um, but needless to say, he quit on us. I picked up those characters and I ran us to, I think we were probably like 10th level when we made the switch from second edition to third edition. And then I finished the campaign up from 10th level to 20th level in third edition. That's crazy. Um, because that was supposed to be what was, there was, there was an old campaign setting called dragon mountain. And that's supposed to be like one of the hardest campaigns to run, like one of the hardest modules to run. Um, but I didn't have the module. So I kind of was like, I guess I'm just going to have to make stuff up on my own. And I just, that, that campaign was just completely out of my ass. I made that up as I went along. My proud, one of my prouder moments, if I'm honest with you. I'm reminiscing here, it. but yeah, yeah, it's good times. I love it. I love it. Good times. I introduced everything I could. I introduced my own campaign setting. Hell yeah. You used Forgotten Realms campaign setting. Hell yeah. I spell jammer. Hell yeah. I introduced multiple planes of existence. And those characters still live in my other, like the characters survived and they retired and they live in my current campaigns. Hell yeah. So they're NPCs. They're NPCs out there somewhere. No, they're actually, mm-hmm. actually. Now that I remember, the last time I left them off, they were in the Outer Plains, lost in the Outer Plains because they got caught in a magical explosion Oh! when one of the gods of magic was killed. As you oh. do. As you do. So, I mean, listen, we, we, we've talked a lot about spell jammers tonight. Um, can you do me a favor, though, and can you tell me the difference between uh, spell jam and spell jelly or spell preserves? That's, this is good. I want to know this um spell jammer is what humans and elves and stuff used to fly spell jam is what uh funky people used to fly and Whoa. spell preserves are what the lithids used to fly oh that makes sense to me that's true and which one uses actual fruit <laughs> <laughs> And with that, I think we're going to call it a night. (laughs) Good night, everybody. All of the music that you have heard is the song Dance Rock off the album Descent of the Goober Monster by Jesse Spillane. It is licensed under Attribution 4.0 International CC by 4.0 license off freemusicarchive.org. If you have a question, a topic you would like us to cover, or simply wish to tell us all of the facts that we have screwed up, feel free to email us at laymansguidetothemultiverse at gmail.com. Also, feel free to visit us at our website at laymansguidetothemultiverse.com.